Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Compressed FM, a podcast all about web development and design with a little bit of zest. In this episode, we are going to talk about AI and ChatGPT and our initial reactions and thoughts on the impact on the tech industry, our jobs, the things we build, and everything in between. Web development and design, who would have guessed what we can do on both, even add a little zest. So turn up the volume, get ready for the best. Let's get it started in this episode of Compress. What's up, everyone? My name is James Hewick, and I am a full-time technical content creator. Hello, my name is Amy Dutton, and I am the director of design at Zeal. And we are here to talk about ChatGPT. We're here to talk about AI, implications, Things we've used it for, things we see other companies using it for. And I kind of did this clarification before we started recording the podcast, but want to give the clarification again to reiterate that like neither one of us are experts in this. I wouldn't even say for myself specifically, I'm not that knowledgeable in the details of like what it is, not knowledgeable about how AI models and that sort of thing work. But I think we both really notice like not just a trend, but like a legitimate trend with ChatGPT, AI, et cetera, for use cases and adoption and all these things. And I've been one of those people for like a lot of the hype topics recently, like crypto and Web3. And this is not a shot at those things. I just never related to those. I never was like, that's really interesting to me. I never got into it. But now with ChatGPT, for example, that's kind of like the easiest thing people are probably most familiar with. That's I just I see it every day and I'm like, oh, there's a use case. Here's a use case. Like I'm using it myself. We'll talk about ways that I've used it. Talk about how Zeal or Amy Works has used it. Anyway, we're not experts in this. We're just kind of giving initial kind of raw reactions, examples that we've seen in our excitement or at least my excitement. So that's kind of where we are now. Don't take this with like we are the source of truth for what everything (laughs) is. Just take this as like a first attempt at talking about a topic that just excites us. Yep. That. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yep. Thanks for the Thanks. insights, Amy. Appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Car- carrying uh, the conversation. <laughs> so, I tell you what, I'll kind of ask you a question. I'll throw you a softball. How about that? Yeah. What is the difference between, say, OpenAI and ChatGPT? Because cool. these are buzzwords that you hear. What's the difference? Yeah. So I did enough research to copy in some quotes to our notes. <laughs> um, so paste. again, this is not like this is not me being the source of truth. Go and do research and find other answers. But from openai.com op- or dot org or whatever the website is, OpenAI <laughs> is an AI research and deployment company. So this is a company who's building AI models, for example, and their mission, this is a quote, is to ensure that artificial general intelligence benefits all of humanity. Which is a strong mission because yeah, we'll, we'll kind of talk about like ethical implications mm-hmm. in a lot of different ways. How does it affect jobs, et cetera? We'll talk about all that. But it's kind of cool for their mission to not only be to like take AI, artificial intelligence, take this to the next level, not only do that, but also in like a safe and beneficial way for humanity. Because mm-hmm. we have like probably a lot of us have seen like iRobot, <laughs> right? As like <laughs> sci fi movies. <laughs> the sci fi movies where like you build these robots and it's great until they decide that they know better than humans do and they're going to mm-hmm. take over. So yeah, the short answer of that is like OpenAI is the company that has a mission of progressing AI and has built ChatGPT as an example, which another quote from the website. So is where OpenAI, they say that we've trained a model called ChatGPT, which interacts in a conversational way, hence the chat part. The dialogue format makes it possible for ChatGPT to answer follow-up questions, admit its mistakes, challenge incorrect premises, and reject inappropriate requests. So this is like kind of the epitome of, I think what a lot of us have looked for in a lot of ways over the course of many years of like, ask a question, get not only an answer, but also a very intelligent answer Mm -hmm. based on a lot of different things out there. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds great. So what is GPT-4? We had a friend in the chat that said, I got beta access to Mm GPT-4. What's that versus say GPT-3? Yep. So turbo, (laughs) the other buzzwords. Yeah, I actually need clarification. So if anyone like listening this live has a clarification on the turbo piece, I think it's just kind of like another evolution of the GPT model. But the basically their version numbers. So I think there was like GPT, there was GPT two. What people most commonly know of as GPT now, I think, would be GPT three. So I think this was based on data like up until twenty twenty one. 
There's been evolutions of that model. Chat GPT, I believe, is built on GPT-3. But now the latest version of GPT is 4. And there was like a 3.5, 3.5 in the middle. And there's Turbo. Turbo and again, I don't know the intricate details of that. But GPT-4 just launched. And this was like in the last week or so. It's all the hype. Like if you're looking on Twitter, if you're looking on YouTube video, and you just scroll on your feed, you're probably going to see something about the impact of GPT-4. And a couple like of simple examples of here is like ChatGPT, you can ask questions to, right? Not only ask questions, but also to generate content for you. I'll talk about how I use this, for example. But one thing that I did was like, I want to create discussion questions inside of my Discord to help spark like useful conversations for them. And so one of the things I did was go to ChatGPT. I said, hey, can you generate 50 questions for me on the following topics that I can present to my Discord to drive engagement? Mm. The topics were like imposter syndrome, getting started with web development, what tools do you use, like searching for jobs, resumes, interview, all those things. And it generated like 50, 60 questions that are really (laughs) amazing that I'm literally just going to like save to a database and then automatically post in a Discord. So we'll talk about more, but that's like one of the common, like simple examples. One of the interesting things with GPT-4 that I've seen is it can now take that to an image level. And so the kind of example that people have seen a lot recently is you could show it an image of a design. It could be like a hand-drawn sketch design. It can interpret that image and generate code for you. So I've used ChatGPT before 4 to say, hey, build me a resume website with HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. And it did that. And you can like clarify, okay, can you make this like aligned horizontally? Can you add colors? Can you add separators? Can you add padding? Like You can kind of evolve that and it'll generate an update code for you. The fact that GPT-4 can take images and then translate that to code, that's like really kind of a, another next step, which seems pretty mm-hmm. exciting. Yeah, I didn't realize that. I know that a lot of people have posted things for mid-journey. For generating images? Yeah, I think as in beta, I don't have access to it, but okay. you can tell it, like, create an image of this or mash these things up and it'll generate that for you. Mm-hmm. And I saw some tweet the other day where somebody had like four different mock-ups for a hero image based on imagery that ChatGPT had created. And they were 3D graphics that were just beautiful. And I just was amazed by the quality that you get and just providing it a prompt. And again, that's so much easier than trying to shift through stock photography or take the picture or draw the picture that you need it to be. So it'll be interesting to see Mm -hmm. the bigger implications of that in art and also in our own industry. We've got some super helpful comments in the chat. So I'm going to run through these to help clarify some of this stuff. Parasocial said that GPT Turbo has the same size of the model, but it was trained better. Again, I can't elaborate on like what training, being trained <laughs> what better does better mean. mean? <laughs> um, and then he also said GPT-4 is a bigger model. And I think this is something I've definitely seen like over and over again. So it has many more tokens for input, output, and then in quotations, just overall smarter. So They talk about GPT-4 having like better answers, better context, like more accurate answers, et cetera, and just a ton more inputs that it's like building its responses from. Christian is also saying the two most important things about GPT-4 are the possibility to upload images and GPT-4 can take in and generate up to 25,000 words of text. So again, this gets like, we're not quite there yet in the conversation, but also gets into the ethical, like people could write a book in gpt for right 25,000 words and like publish that and then like how does that add up like where do we stand with that I don't know yeah and I know we'll talk a little bit more about use cases later but I've also handed it like a video transcript that I had and said translate that to Spanish now granted I can't speak Spanish (laughs) to know whether it's correct or not and he's like this is great (laughs) (laughs) but yeah I mean it only went so far because I was limited in the amount of words that it was able to generate but if Mm -hmm. There's a higher upper limit to that, then you really could send it whole videos of stuff to to translate. Yeah, I love it. Another comment from Parasocial mentioned Dolly and Midjourney turn text into image. GPT four turns images into text. So yeah, GPT four you can give it an image, it can give you text, it can give you code, etc. But Dolly and Midjourney, I haven't tried them myself, but looks really, really interesting of, like you said, give me an image that does X, Y, and Z. 
and it can kind of generate that for you. I don't think this is there yet, although I don't know, but it would be really amazing to really get like high quality website designs out of it. Like mm-hmm. if I was like, hey, I'm building a demo with JavaScript and blah, blah, blah. Like, can you design a landing page for me? And then in theory, you could take that design and give it back to GPT and say, also generate the code for this. That would be really game changing, I think. What are we doing? What are our jobs? <laughs> what are, I, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> cool. So do you want to do some examples of companies we've seen adding AI features? And this is, it's mind blowing to me how quickly this stuff has been added. And so I guess maybe one bit of context that would be useful is there are APIs that are accessible to access these trained AI models. And so basically what you do is configure a couple of parameters and send it your prompt. So ChatGPT specifically is like a UI, it's a dashboard, it's a website. You go in and give the prompt and they respond back. With the API, you have basically the same kind of thing where you can choose your model, you can send it a prompt and get back a response. Which means incorporating AI features into existing products is basically making an API call, right? Like that's right. Some of these companies are like doing specific models that are trained on their docs. For example, we'll talk about that in a second. Some of them are using specific AI models that are trained on specific things. But at the end of the day, it's like literally an API call that they're making, sending a prompt and then getting stuff back. And that stuff that comes back is value to the users of these products. Yeah, I think if you were to work with the APIs, you would realize why it's had such rapid adoption is because they're incredibly easy to work with. I've mm-hmm. been surprised. Now, I say that with a grain of salt. I have not worked with it, but one of the guys on my team, and we can talk about this as we're talking about use cases, recently created a script, and I will share that it is open source on the Zeal GitHub. But what we did, so our website is on... Webflow. And the reason that we went with Webflow is because it makes it incredibly easy to spin up landing pages. So even though we can all code, we're able to quickly create landing pages on the fly. And like, for example, this week that came in really helpful. We had to spin up a landing page and we did it within a day. Whereas if we were writing code, it would have taken a lot longer. So one of the things that we've done is we have all these blog posts where I'm not sure if and moving things around, the descriptions got wiped, or if we just have not been diligent in writing the descriptions. Both totally possible. (laughs) But (laughs) what we ended up doing was as somebody, I think another girl on our team was like, hey, I'll just pass in all the content of this blog post over to chat GPT and get it to generate a description. Boom. Like there's a description. Mm -hmm. We're like, this is awesome. So instead of having to go through our entire backlog of blog posts, uh, the guy on my team, actually, his name is Sanjay. He's been a guest on our mm-hmm. podcast before. We can link out to his Twitter. But anyways, what he ended up doing was creating an API and it hooked up to the Webflow API, grabbed all of our blog posts, and then sent all of our blog posts using the chat GPT open source API, sent it over there and had it generate all of the meta descriptions and then use the Webflow API to send it back up to Webflow. So we run That's a cool. script and it creates all of the SEO stuff that we're missing in our blog posts, which is so cool. Amazing. You can do all that with code and you know stuff like that gets me excited about being a developer because you're like, the sky is literally the limit in what I can accomplish. Mm-hmm. You have any problem, a lot of times code is going to be the solution for that. So the repo is still a work in progress, but you can at least get a feel for it. There are calls to the APIs there and you can see really encode your, like when you're sending the API, it's just like you're typing it into chat GPT. Yep. Like this is the prompt that I am sending it. And Literally, yeah. Our, yeah, so he shared all of his code in our, we call it design engineering meeting because it's a design <laughs> and an engineering meeting. That's fun. But he shared all of it yesterday or Wednesday in our meeting. And just as he was walking through stuff, I mean, you can see that it, just how simple it is, but you can pass it. This is where I was going. You can pass in variables to your prompts because you're doing it in code, which is really neat. You don't get that obviously in the web interface. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. So one question for you, actually, do you take those responses at face value and just accept them? Or do you have a manual approval process? (laughs) We did so far, but it would be good to go through it. Now, this was interesting. So there's a parameter that you can pass through with the API called temperature. What temperature does is you can dial in like how random you want the response to be. So we found that 0.2 was a great temperature to get the response that you wanted. But if you knocked that up to two, I think it's like from zero to two, two degrees, 
then it's going to get a far more random, weird response. And that's not oh. what we're looking for. Okay. Question in the chat from Eduardo. Do calls cost money? And answer to this is there's a free tier. And I actually don't have, unfortunately, I don't have more details than that. But there is a free tier that I have been using for all the things I've been doing, which is not a ton, but definitely some. And so you can use the free tier and then you can pay per very use. affordable. Yeah. Yeah. Per use after that. So you look at, we'll talk about products that people have built with ChatGPT or GPT in general, AI. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things you have to keep in mind is like after you exhaust your free tier, your app should be making some sort of money, right? Because you need to be able to cover the cost of the bill that you're putting forward. So it is something to keep in mind, but you can absolutely use a free tier to try it out and do a lot of things, to be honest. And Parasocial did help me out. I said zero to two, it's zero to one degrees. So zero is he, they use emojis, but boring. Mm-hmm. And then when you can start to get a little crazy. <laughs> cool. Love it. So we were talking about companies that are adding AI features. And again, just kind of referring to like how quickly they've done this. So one that I'm a big fan of, I'm kind of working behind the scenes on my Astro course. I'm a huge fan of Astro. And they just recently released, that actually makes that recently. I think that could be a, a thing. They recently released Houston AI. So you can find this at houston.astro.build. And Houston has basically been like their, their kind of mascot for Astro. There's actually a Houston extension inside of VS Code. And they can, I think Houston, like if you have an Astro project open, will either be happy or sad, yeah, <laughs> like smiling or frowning, cute. which yeah. is hilarious and super cute. And so they added a feature or website, again, houston.astro.build. And what they've done, I don't know how, I don't know the details. Maybe we'll get somebody on to talk about more technical details behind the scenes of, eventually on the podcast. But what they've done is trained an AI based on all of their docs. So they said, here's all of our docs, all the things that Astro can do. And then they're going to leverage AI for people, consumers, builders with Astro to come to the website to say, hey, how do I add SEO to Astro? How do I enable SSR in Astro? How do I do like whatever it is that I can do in Astro? How do I do that? By asking in a normal conversational way, and they can then respond back with not only answers, but like potentially links to the docs for further details as well. And this is like, I think good docs, they do a good job of having discoverability through search. So if you search a keyword, they can link you to the right place, but that doesn't necessarily like give you the answer right there. And so to train this thing on all the docs and like actually give you a solid answer in line is real, real powerful. I think you'll see this probably across the board with products is them just adding this capability of training it with their docs, the entire set of docs, so that you can like conversationally, naturally ask them questions about how to do X, Y, and Z with that product. I think it's super cool. Yeah. Zeta is doing something similar with their documentation. And I used it the other day, just kind of experimenting to see what it returned. And the other thing that I appreciate about was it was a chat response. So it's very conversational, but it also had additional links for these are the places where Mm. I guess the model had cited and being able to return that kind of response, which was really helpful if you're looking for more documentation or adjacent documentation. So I tried out the Zeta part. Amy and I are both fans of Zeta. It's a Mm -hmm. serverless database. It also has a GUI dashboard. It has generated TypeScript types in your code. Really, really neat, like across the board. And I started to take a look because I'm actually going to record a video on like the AI features in Zeta. So I'm excited about this as well. And I haven't quite figured out like what exactly things I can ask. But an example of something that I asked was like insights about the data. So like writing a query is not my strong suit. Writing a query across any different technology, database, platform, SDK, like those things, like you just have to learn the specifics every time. And so I asked it to give me some sort of like intelligence answer about the data. And I can't remember exactly what that was. Like give me the author that has written the most posts or something like that. And not only is it able to answer questions about the docs, like how do I do X, Y, and Z in data? It also was able to look at the database itself, like the data in the database and give me intelligence. So in theory, it's like translating what I say to a query of some sort and then executing that query. And that's really cool as well. Thinking about like from an analytics standpoint, I always think about this with like sports. You know how like you watch SportsCenter and they have like on this day in 1967, (laughs) they did this thing and this person just passed the like this record that's really random and no one would ever think about like being able to ask those questions real time to an AI and have it figure out how to aggregate the data and do the query and stuff. 
I feel like that's a really neat feature as well, specifically when you're building a product with a database and you can just get intelligence like in a conversational way. Mm -hmm. Mark Huggins just posted in the chat, and this is a great call out that he saw a post where someone generated a readme Mm -hmm. from their code. And he was like, that could be super powerful. You train it on your code and then have it answer based on that. So you Mm -hmm. really don't have to write documentation. Just have the, have chat GPT or whatever it is provide that documentation for you. So good. Which um, I feel like I kind of use, a, I mean, the V1 version of that within VS Code because I have GitHub Copilot turned on. Mm-hmm. And so anytime I have comments or try and create a doc block or something like that, it'll generate that for me a lot of times yeah. and it's autocomplete. But this is that on steroids, mm-hmm. like taking it to the complete next level. Yeah. By the way, I just decided to add Copilot back to my workflow. So I'm, mm-hmm. I may turn it off for recording videos, but I haven't used it in a month. So I decided to pay for it and I'm going to use it for a little while and kind of see how it plays out, which there's also a subscription model to ChatGPT. I need to probably be more intentional with my words because I think think the subscription is not necessarily for ChatGPT specifically. It's probably for like OpenAI and then you choose a model that you want to interact with. I think it's probably the better Mm -hmm. way to phrase that. But anyway, I've debated about doing a subscription to that with the subscription, you get access to GPT four. I think, mm. I think right now as a recording, that's the only way to get access to GPT four, but I'm not a hundred percent sure about that, but you get like priority access and priority. Like if it's really busy, you get prioritization over people, mm. obviously mm-hmm. that aren't paying for a subscription. Yep. One, one last thing again, like lots of stuff to learn for me with this, but one additional thing that Zeta does is they have an endpoint for their database, like part of their API now, I think it's just like slash ask for your database. You can actually call that endpoint directly from your code as if it is calling an AI model. So the example we were talking about, but now you can incorporate that into your code if you find a use case for that. That's awesome. Another company that James and I are both a fan of is FeedHive. And I think, you know, what just really impresses me about Simon and he's the developer behind FeedHive, the creator, is how he's bootstrapped that product and just continuously generated features. It's like, mm-hmm. does he stop? <laughs> you know, it's so awesome. Every time I log in, it's this is a new thing. This is a new thing. But he, that's actually probably one of the very first places where I even saw like any type of AI integration. So FeedHive, what that allows you to do is schedule social posts, I guess would be the best elevator mm-hmm. pitch. And it's funny because you think, man, that's a something that's been around for years. And so for him to come on the scene within the last yeah. year, year and a half, and I feel like take it by storm and generate so many features and leave all these other products behind is amazing. You know, I think that just goes to show that you can always have, find a place in an industry if yeah. you can find ways to differentiate yourself. So one of those differentiators is AI. So one of the things that it will do is it will prompt you with like, you know, here are different prompts that you can use for a post. So I know that's helped me think through different social media posts. You can say like, help me create a post about this and it'll generate content for you or different ways to improve posts. So those features are just, mm-hmm. I mean, they're crazy. And I think, you know, for me and trying to find use cases for chat GPT, the like writing titles, that's really hard for me. <laughs> Creating mm-hmm. engaging titles. And so the fact that I can say, hey, generate... 10 titles and I get to pick one or I can use those as a starting point to like revise that and create something that's more interesting has been incredibly beneficial in any of my content creation workflow. Mm -hmm. We'll talk much more about content creation workflow in a second. We also got a comment in the chat about Notion AI. And so I Mm -hmm. I haven't used this. I don't know about it. I'll just give you the tagline. Their tagline is introducing Notion AI Access the limitless power of AI right inside of Notion. Work faster, write better, think bigger. We're both big fans of Notion mm-hmm. as well. So I'm curious if people have like use cases, things they've done specifically inside of Notion with AI. I'd love to hear specific examples and maybe we can incorporate some of that stuff in the stuff we do. Yeah, so I have used Notion AI. I'm a huge mm. fan. They give you like 40 free questions and then after that you have to increase your tier and pay for it in order to continue to have access. So... I do like a lot of my scripting and writing directly within Notion. So basically anything that you can ask ChatGPT, if you were to go to their website, you can do directly within the Notion AI Hmm. features. And it just offers that as a quick prompt as if you were 
like writing a heading, you can also just ask it right there in line. And so when I'm talking about like generating titles and things like that, I'm actually doing a lot of that work within Notion. And then I have a reference of those titles that it's suggested um, if I want to come back and review those. So I haven't paid for it yet, but I'm still on my first 40 questions, but it's pretty sweet. Mm, So is it a, how does, do you know how the pricing works for Notion? Is it like you, you buy the monthly subscription to Notion and it includes AI? Do you have to pay separately for the AI features? I'm pretty sure you have to pay separately. I'm just pulling up the page to see if, oh, I don't see it right off. Might have to do a little bit of digging. It is in, I think it's still in beta because you have to apply in order to get access. Mm. And I'm sure some of that's also just trying to limit the usage on the front end. Okay. It looks like from what I can find on the pricing page, they have an optional add-on for Notion AI. Add to any paid plan for $8 a member per month billed annually or $10 per month billed monthly. But this looks like you have to have, if I'm interpreting this correctly, you have to have a paid plan and then add this on top of that paid plan. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Which like, I don't know if I did this rant with you about like how cheap developers are and how frustrating it is based on comments from a recent you video. You did it I offline. Had. I think, okay. So <laughs> do it, do it I've online. Had, I've definitely done this rant and I'm not telling people they should spend money on stuff. I'm just, but like you can absolutely find tools that are well worth the money if you pay attention to like how much they can improve your process. And one of the things that I've thought about for myself is like, if it can improve the process, but most importantly, take the stress away from some mm-hmm. things for me, like you said, generating titles. Another example I've used this for is alternate titles for YouTube videos. And if I can have that take the stress away of me having to come up with those things myself, that's worth a lot of money. Like my happiness and like lack of stress is definitely worth money. So yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say, even on the flip side, I think it's important that the developers that wrote that code be compensated. Mm -hmm. And so you can look at that and get mad. Like I should feel entitled. I should have that as a free service. Why are you not offering that for free? But people have to put food on the table. Mm -hmm. And so the way that you do that, for better or worse, is usually with money. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, uh, usually with like, (laughs) (laughs) the alternatives to not using money to put on the table is like questionable. No, you have your own farm. You just go out (laughs) on the back. Oh, okay. Well, there is. (laughs) I was thinking. So you can either farm yourself or rob people, which we are not. (laughs) We're not advocating. (laughs) To be very clear. Yeah, but you they should be compensated for the work that they do. Mm-hmm. So money's a good way to compensate somebody. <laughs> yes, unless you want to farm your own food. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the next section that I had is like slightly different. So we talked about like companies that have added AI features and how quickly it's amazing. But also maybe even more impressive is like new companies and products coming mm-hmm. out of nowhere to solve problems using AI. And it's stuff that gets me really excited. So we talked about content creation, we talked about using ChatGPT to generate titles and descriptions of blog posts and other things. There's a couple of products I want to touch on really quickly, which are Contenda and Videotap. And I'll start with mm-hmm. Contenda because they, I heard about them through Cassidy like Williams. first on the scene, I mm-hmm. feel like. And Cassidy Williams now is their CTO, but she talked about it on this live stream that the, we were on about how she was using Contenda to like help improve her content creation process. And couple of examples of that was like, she could take a YouTube video, she could have Contenda generate a blog post version of that, like a written version of that. She could also have it generate like a tweet thread to represent that, which is really cool. Like take down, like here's the five different takeaways and put them in tweet thread format and a few other things. And so I tried Contenda really early on, used it a couple of times to do exactly those things, enjoyed it. And they've come a long way since. So a couple of things that Contenda has now is an API. I don't know what status that's in, like if it's public or not, but they have an API where in theory, I could write my own code to have a button on my website that says like, go get the content for the blog form content of this video and send it the ID of the video. And they had really cool like parameters that you could customize to do different, like to tweak your outputs. So I thought that was really interesting. And they just launched, I haven't checked this out, but they have a dashboard associated with this now that I'm really excited to Mm. look at. It's literally in my inbox. I haven't gotten time yet, but to go and like have a dashboard UI on top of the API. So I'm excited to check that out. The next one, which I am also very excited about is VideoTap. And VideoTap is created by Chris Sev and Otto Kukic who are two of my good friends. They now work together at DigitalOcean. They're both amazing. 
And Chris in particular has always had a knack for like really good designs and just knowing how to build features that people care about. And so they have a similar idea of you give it a YouTube URL, it then generates the written content for you. It can also, in theory, grab screenshots, it can grab code snippets, and it can put those all in a format that you can copy and paste in a markdown. But the thing that they've added on top of that is the UI. And this is where the power of leveraging AI comes in because everybody in theory could like make the API call. But what you build on top of that and how you package it is really where this comes into play. And so with VideoTap, he's got like a screenshot editor thing. So I can say like generate a screenshot at this point in my post and get that from scrolling through to one minute and 21 seconds. That shows exactly what I want the user to see. And they're adding features around that as well to like crop the image, to do other editing to the image. Really, really neat. So I have like not only the ability to like get this kind of raw output that is really good on its own. It also has a text editor where I can edit that right in place, add screenshots, add code snippets. And literally twice I've taken two videos, converted and published them to blog posts in 30 minutes, not each, but like 15 minutes a piece. I've done that twice. So I've done four blog posts through video tap and have really enjoyed it. I'm excited about that product as well. And we had Chris's wife on the podcast mm-hmm. on Monday. So that was fun to hear her yes. celebrate that release. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Do you want to start the, the like next round of products from one individual amazing person? Yeah, I do. So Hassan from Vercel has created all kinds of crazy stuff. I'm going to share his Twitter. Anybody wants to give him a follow. But one of the products that he has released will write AI commits for you on your code, which is pretty cool that it does all that for you. I've also seen ones that will write PRs. I need to find a link for that. And then I haven't looked at his Room GPT app. Have you seen that? I haven't looked at it specifically, okay. but I, like the overall takeaway with all of these three things is inside not in a bad way like these are not super complicated apps but it's the same idea of what we just said of like Mm -hmm. packaging the use of ai under the hood into a product and so room gpt is the tagline is redesign your room in seconds and this thing which he created in the last month at least i think has now over 1 million unique visitors and this is like One of the things for people to consider too, it's something I'm certainly considering with content that I create, is like this is one of those topics that's so hot right now. If you can get on Mm -hmm. early, Mm -hmm. you can really kind of help build yourself a brand or get some awareness for the things that you're doing. So 1 million unique visitors is absolutely wild in like a handful of weeks. The one that he did that I think initially kicked this off, and this was like, everyone's go-to example for people building products on top of AI is restorephotos.ai. And basically what it does is it leverages an existing AI model that's meant for this. And it will take an existing image. It will then generate basically a higher quality or restore the photo back to a higher quality. So if you send it like a picture that we took on our camera phones in like 2010 or something that's not very good, in theory, it would like send you back a high-res version of that image by like auto-completing pixels to match the image and stuff, which is absolutely wild. But the point is, like, that's just an existing AI model, and he was able to build this package to build this product on top of it. And I don't know the numbers, like, right offhand, but, like, tons and tons of traffic to the website, to his Twitter, all these things. And the hype around it, I think, is, like, a really big thing to consider but also just kind of makes it fun, I think. But those are some quick examples from like individuals, really, like a handful of individuals that are already creating products that are having like great success built on top of AI. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So how have you actually used all these things? Like it's cool to see all these use cases, but practically speaking, how are you using it? Well, I can tell you I'm going to continue to use it more and more like literally every single day. One of the ones I mentioned earlier is like a big top of mind goal for me in the Learn, Build, Teach Discord is to drive engagement. Like we have a lot of people there, only a very small percentage of people are engaged on a consistent basis. And I want to help change that. Like I want to change that by like providing valuable conversations and interactions and stuff for people. And so one of the ideas I had that is not super unique and other people have mentioned it is like just asking questions in a discussions channel to like 
drive that conversation. And it doesn't sound that hard, but like to come up with a question every week and then remember mm-hmm. to post it is actually like more difficult than you might think. So I wanted to build like an automated, like every week post a question. But then the problem was like, how do I get these questions? And I could write them myself, but I went to ChatGPT and I said like, can you give me 50 questions based on these topics? And it generated in categories, like 50 questions. And I took out two of them because I didn't think they were like super relevant. So 48 of those questions are now copied directly into a text file that will be saved to a database and will be read and posted automatically when I get to the actual code part of that directly inside of Discord. And a few other things I've done, generating alternate YouTube titles. So I give it like, here's the topic that I'm creating. Can you give me like YouTube titles for this? Here's an existing title. Can you give me better titles for this? I think that has been really valuable. I also I mentioned I'm working on like an Astro course and I started a very rough outline. And I was like, I wonder what ChatGPT would do like outline wise, like what are the major topics and stuff it would cover? And I was like, hey, can you give me an outline for an Astro course that does X, Y, and Z? And like the outline was very similar to the one I generated myself, like in the sense of like contextually, it got it. It understood like, here's the topics and things that that you would cover in, a, in an amazing breakdown. So if you're looking for like kind of a head start or like a push in the right direction, some inspiration for this sort of stuff. Those are like really good use cases to go and ask ChatGPT. So I've used it to help write blog post titles, which has been really helpful. Mm -hmm. We talked a little bit about that earlier. I've also used it where I've gotten an error in the console or my terminal. I'm like, what does this mean? And I've just copied and pasted the error. What? So there's, and it's like generally helpful. The Mm -hmm. hard part that I struggle with is, I guess we can kind of talk about this later too, when we're talking about jobs, but I get about 50% of the time the code is right and 50% of it's not. Mm-hmm. So like people that are like, I wrote this entire game or I wrote this entire plugin in chat GPT. I'm not sure if they just, if there's not another step involved, but I'm not at least seeing those kinds of results. And so I think, you know, learning how to talk to a chat bot is going to be a new skill. Like we learned how to Google, like adding pluses or putting things in quotes, using minuses or figure out the right terms to search in order to get the result that you need. I think, talking to a chatbot is going to be a skill in and of itself. And also just learning how to work with it to iterate on what you're looking for. So right now, if it doesn't give me the right answer, I'm like, oh, (laughs) not what I was looking for. (laughs) But I think some of it comes with, we were talking about with chat GPT-3, it's based on the input before what sometime in 2021, I think. Yeah, Yeah, perfect. So any changes that have been recently made to code, like I can see the age of that if I'm looking for something Mm -hmm. that's a little bit newer or fresher. And yep. I mean, if we're talking about like Zeta and some of these other companies that are tying it into their docs, then the models are being taught on their documentation. And that's only going to increase the accuracy of those results that you're getting back. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know the timing on GPT-4. Obviously, it would be like based on newer data than GPT-3. So that I think would be one of the benefits mm-hmm. as well. There's another thing. Oh, an example I did with Wix. So I was doing sponsored content with Wix to use their Velo product, which is actually really neat, where inside of Wix, you have the ability to write code now. And they're really targeting like a lot of features geared towards developers. And so you think about like, Wix is a pretty big player in the like no code space of being able to build websites. Well, what if like you get developers who want to leverage that, but then also want to add stuff on top of it with code because they can. And so that's where Velo comes in. And one of the things I did was build a website where I could run JavaScript code on the browser and the server. And so I could run code on the server to interact with GPT-3 or whatever. And I could build this specific example, which is to explain JavaScript code. So this was influenced by Chris Kalmar on Twitter. And I'll put a link to this for everybody to find him because he posts these like really interesting challenges with JavaScript a couple times a week where it's a lot of like random stuff, but it's like, oh, I didn't know JavaScript did that or how does it do that or why? And so I thought not only would it be valuable for me to get an answer to like, what is the output of this, but also could this explain to me why? Mm-hmm. And a couple of examples that I gave it, it explained it like flawlessly, like a great explanation of like why this weird quirky thing in JavaScript happens the way it does. So inside of Wix, I created a site, created a backend function that like takes an input for a code snippet. It asks for the result and explanation. And on the front end, you have the ability to just call that like a function and then get the result back. So you have an input box where people can paste in JavaScript code. You then send the API request to your backend, which sends it off to the model. 
responds back and then show people the result. And I thought that was like a niche thing, like a kind of a specific thing. But I think that's kind of the point of like figuring out how and where to apply this to something that's relevant to you, but also like relevant to other people. That's really cool. So as you're coding, it's always helpful to see that in line. We were talking about Notion AI earlier. So when you're coding, you obviously already have GitHub Copilot. Well, I say obviously if you're paying for it. There are extensions that you can also use directly within VS Code. So this is one that I found earlier this week called CodeGPT. Disclaimer, I haven't used it yet. But it's that whole concept of being able to get stuff in line. Another really interesting use case as well is if you write something in JavaScript and then having it convert that into another language is really cool as well. There's also, I'm looking for the extension now, there's the rubber duck extension for VS Code. And it's basically the ability, like you can upload your API key and then you can basically just use ChatGPT inside of inside of VS Code. There's also another similar one which may just be called ChatGPT. I'd have to double check that. But that's one I've used recently just to like keep it inside of VS Code and not have to go like to the browser to ask mm-hmm. a question. Well, and it would be nice to, like I mentioned, I'm telling ChatGPT my console or my terminal messages, mm-hmm. but it has no concept of what my code is. So if mm. these can actually read code from your project, be like, oh, well, it's this yeah. file on this line. It's even more that's helpful. That's a good point. Absolutely. Yeah. So then, Amy, is mm-hmm. ChatGPT going to replace your job? I think it will replace my job as I know it. And I don't think that's necessarily something that we have to be afraid of. I mean, there are different points in history where a lot of jobs iterate and look slightly different. Like with the machines at, say, a manufacturing place for cars, they're not actually like screwing things in like they were in the early 1900s. There's machines that do that, but we still have people that work at car manufacturing companies. Or you could even look at any other industry that's been revolutionized by technology. And I think the biggest thing is it just looks different. And I don't think that's something to necessarily be afraid of. In a lot of cases, if you are afraid of it and don't embrace that change, then you are the one that's going to be left behind. So I think it's just one of those things that you have to embrace. There is part of me, I'll be honest, that's like, still a little nostalgic about, oh, I like what I do now. I don't want that to change. But I also look at like the code that I was writing 10 or 15 years ago and the build tools I had then, and they're not nearly as great as they are now. And so I think if you look at it as a positive iteration, then that's a good outlook to have. Thinking of it as a tool in the Mm -hmm. developer workflow, I think is pretty spot on. Very similar to you. I don't think it like replaces jobs. I think it augments the mm-hmm. jobs we have and how we work as developers and all the tools as they've evolved over the years, like have evolved in a way that hopefully make us better developers and like able to build the same things faster. And I think this yeah. is another good example of that. There is an interesting question that someone posed in Discord. Like if you're working contracting with an agency, for example, that is writing blog posts for you and you're paying them a bunch of money to do that. And you find out that they're using like ChatGPT to generate the majority of these articles. Does that bother you? Does that make a difference to you if that's if that's what they're doing? I mean, it still has to be vetted. And, you know, at least where it is right now, the content that I've had ChatGPT write is very surface level. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's one of those things that I think about. We talked about feed hive using and it's like, well, at the end of the day, am I just going to be reading all this content that a robot created? Mm -hmm. And I think the real value, what you'll start to see is that people have to go deeper on topics and it's in that deepness is where you find true value. And so as long as you need surface level stuff for beginners, but if you want to set yourself apart in those areas, then you've got to go deep and really show your level of expertise on those things. Yeah. And my response to that question was basically focusing on value. So if you think about Mm -hmm. freelance developers or freelance anything, And they're really good at a thing, which then means based on having so much experience and being so good at it, they can produce something much faster than someone without that level of experience. And so you think about if they were to charge on an hourly basis, that means for the same value, they would make a lot less money, which doesn't make sense. Like assuming they had the same like hourly Mm -hmm. rate, but if they can finish faster, there's no incentive for them to finish faster, right? Which is kind of silly. So if you think about paying like based on value, whatever that output is, if that is valued at X number of dollars, how they get to that like doesn't change, right? Like you're still paying and getting the same value that you would have expected to. It doesn't necessarily matter how they're doing that. Mm-hmm. But the like little bit of caveat to that though is as these tools get better and better, 
the fact that it can be leveraged to potentially generate a bunch of content maybe then changes my company to say, hey, maybe I don't need that middle person because mm-hmm. I could go and do that too, right? So like, it's almost like the great equalizer. And it'll be really interesting to see the impact of that because from a marketing perspective, YouTube titles make a big difference. Now mm-hmm. you can go and ask GPT to like give you alternate titles, right? Or metadata, or I actually just thought of this and I want to go do it. Like, give me an idea for a viral video on JavaScript and like how to phrase it. Like, there's still work for me to do, but imagine I could just like get that script yeah. from ChatGPT. Then it's like this equalizer where some of my existing value and knowledge of how to create content is not as valuable because other people have access to it too. Again, there's like levels of like how deep do you have to go and verify and tweak and all these things. But it is really interesting to see and think of ChatGPT as like this equalizer in the industry that enables a lot of people to go and do a lot of things. The Scion God just gave me like my next video title. The title is the top 10 ways to become a millionaire with AI. You won't believe number nine. It is like, (laughs) it's funny. Like I want to play around with titles like that, but I also get really annoyed at videos sometimes Uh that are like use AI to generate your first million. Cause can you do that? And are there examples of people doing that? Absolutely. Are there people like we've talked about that are building products that are successful regardless of what successful means? Absolutely. But the reality is like, you don't just become a millionaire because you learn how to ask a question to chat. Like there's still a lot of work that goes into it. So I get annoyed by some of those videos that are like way overselling that you just automatically become an entrepreneur because you have access to a chat window. One thing that I did want to point out in the jobs conversation before we kind of wrap is Brad said this last week, I think when we were talking about shiny new tools. But he made the point of he doesn't have GitHub Copilot turned on because he wants to write code and he doesn't want to read it. And he was just saying that when I have GitHub Copilot turned on, it's creating all these blocks of code and then I'm reading it to check and make sure that it's right instead Mm -hmm. of actually writing it myself. And so, you know, when we're talking about how our jobs change and look different, like that could be a thing is that we are reading more than we are writing, which, you know, is not necessarily bad. It's just an interesting spin or a different way to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. One, I forgot one example that I thought was really relevant. So I talk a decent amount about Learn, Build, Teach Discord and the Discord bot that we have. One thing I've learned is sorry to Discord JS, sorry to Discord API. From my perspective, the documentation is horrible. Like the discoverability of like, I want to do a thing. I have to go and dig and dig and dig to figure out how to do things that feel like they should be basic. Again, no disrespect, but it just, it's been a struggle for me. And one of the things I wanted to do coming up for a demo next week is like using the API, I want to know how many different members do we have in the Discord, right? Like we could have that as a button that shows on the website and just like you can reload this and go and see like what's the latest number of people that we have in the Discord. No idea where to start with that. I did a Google search, nothing, like nothing, no help, no indicators, no like search discoverability, nothing. And ask ChatGPT, hey, using Discord JS, how do I find out how many total members we have in Discord? Code snippet that I could paste in immediately. Like such a powerful thing to change the game on the lack of discoverability with its ability to just mm-hmm. answer that question in, in a handful of seconds. That was mm-hmm. a really cool example for me. Yeah, that's awesome. So the next section of the episode, we're going to do our picks and plugs. And this is something that we pick, that we like, generally something... Yeah, something that we like. I haven't, done the, <laughs> I haven't done the transition in a while. And then a plug is generally something that we've worked on. So nailed that. Do you have nailed a it. pick and plug? Oh, that's what I was just saying. I want you to go first. Oh, I'll go first. I do have one. <laughs> I have to pull it up though. I have to remember what I said. Oh yeah. So by the time this episode release, releases in audio form, this might be old news, but I'm going to pick the React docs. If you go check it out, they have their beta version available and they are worth checking out. Even if you don't like React, even if you don't write in React, just from a usability standpoint, it's really cool that on the landing page, they have the code snippet on the left and the image that it generates on the right. I say image, it's really the component and you can hover over the sections of code and it will highlight that piece within the component. And people have complained. Oh, there you go. Parasocial said that it's not in beta anymore. I went there this morning. I thought I had to click on a beta banner anyways, but they are beautiful. So go check them out just from a document sta- documentation standpoint. So the React docs, <laughs> the Scion God definitely gave a shout out to Spelt and said that it's greater than React. 
Not that we're starting <laughs> debates, but React or Amy just said that React is the best framework in the world. So, <laughs> well, you know, well, I won't go down that. I was like about to take your bait. <laughs> yeah, well, are like, you are you silly talking. enough? Are you silly enough to take the bait for that? <laughs> yeah, I am. Yeah, I am. I was just going to say the spelt docs are interesting too, but we won't go there. Okay, so for my plug, I'm going to plug my Twitch channel. So this week I actually streamed three times, which is really yeah. exciting. So I am self-teach me on Twitch and I've been streaming, like I said, this week I streamed three times, but I'll stream in the mornings at 9 a.m. Central. So I would love it for you to come join me. That way I don't feel like a crazy person and I'm just talking to myself, <laughs> saying what I'm doing. So I can promise a good time. Cool. I am going to pick something from Wix and full transparency. This was like a sponsored thing to try it out, but I think it's really interesting and I'd love to see like, other people using this and get your thoughts on it too. But it's a product called Codux from Wix. And it's kind of its mm -hmm. own thing. So it's created by the team at Wix, but it's in its own category. It's kind of by itself and completely separate. But it's a visual IDE for React. And mm -hmm. some things that you can do, like you can actually visually build and design components. So there's a visual editor to view CSS, to view props, pass to components, to drag and drop properties or like elements in your components, etc., probably the most relevant thing that people are used to or like have seen otherwere, other places is something like Storybook. And Storybook kind of really took this board component idea. I forget, I don't know the exact name, but the idea of having different states for your components and testability of those and visibility into these different states for your components and making sure they render appropriately based on different props, for example. So you can do that inside of Codex as well. In addition to some just really neat visual tools and it doesn't replace VS Code, it kind of complements it. So you have buttons all over the place in Codex to like open the code up directly in VS Code and it'll take you back to VS Code to the code snippet that you're looking for. So I think it'd be uncomfortable for a lot of people, just like us as developers, we're used to writing all the code ourselves, but it is a really interesting workflow and I'm curious what other people think as well. So if you're interested in trying it out, you can find it at codex.com. Give it a shot, let me know in a DM or a post on Twitter or something. I'd love to see what other people think. And for plug, I'll plug my newsletter. I'm going to start doing this more as I kind of build up to course launch in four months or so. But you can find my newsletter at jamesqquick.com slash newsletter. And on there, I share weekly update, like kind of for myself or like something maybe ranty or maybe just I want to share. So there's something like personal to start. And then there's recent content that I've created. There's content from the Learn, Build, Teach Discord. There's a TikTok of the week. And there's the latest episode of Compressed FM if you need a reminder for like what episode we've published recently. So interested in updates for me, you can check out my newsletter at jamesqquick.com slash newsletter. If you're listening on a podcatcher, make sure to leave a rating and a review to help other people find the podcast so we can continue to create amazing episodes with amazing guests and also amazing hosts, which are Amy and I and Brad, who is not here today. But in the meantime... That's all we got.